in history as well as people have no money down. That's right, no money down. They're located at 6385 North Federal Boulevard with a great auto inventory. Give them a call at 303-298-1155. That's Magic Financing. Features Milo the Magician. They're open Monday through Friday until 8 and Saturdays till 7. Check them out. That's Magic Financing. Call them today at 303-298-1155. Tell them you heard about it here at KUHSDenver.com. Also visit us at www.magicfinancing.com. Good afternoon and welcome to the council, folks. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello. And boy, do we have an amazing guest to share with you today. I can't wait to introduce you to him. Uh, I've been looking forward to this show uh, since I met uh, Orion two years ago. So uh, before we get to our guest and to talking about our topic today, I just want to do a quick shout out to KUHS Denver. KUHS is the platform where we broadcast from this, this ship here, this radio, TV stream that we're broadcasting here from Denver, Colorado, all across the nation and all across the world. The council is being listened to by so many different people in so many different countries. Uh, it's an honor to be your host and thank you KUHS for hosting the council. Also to magicfinancing.com, the sponsors of our show. If you need a car, a used car, a brand new car, a dream car, you got to go to magicfinancing.com. Uh, ask Talk to Maurizio, let him know that I sent you, tell him that Charlie from the council sent you, and they will help you to finance your car. Whether it's a, a work truck, whether it's a, a travel vehicle, whether it's just a, a car that you've been dreaming of, go to magicfinancing.com, uh, www.magicfinancing.com. Also wanted to make sure that everybody knows that I have a book out there, it's called Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. And it's a, it's a book from the soul. It's a book from my heart. It's, a, it's a really to help us connect to the deeper truths of the soul. I, can, I consider it to be a self-help book for your soul, to help you to get into a deeper connection with what really operates behind your eyes, that invisible world, the, the power behind your eyes that uh, is rooted in your character and your belief system and your and your soul and these masters during this period of time 900 BC to 200 BC were were experiencing a, a major upheaval like we are experiencing right now and they were trying to understand and move through the violence the suffering the pain that they were experiencing and they were coming up with these jewels, these gems about how to be able to, co to connect to that deep inner reservoir that's inside of us and to move through challenging times to reach, to reach enlightenment, to reach a, a place of peace, an inner sanctuary of peace and cultivate that. And so you get to meet six masters, Lao Tzu, Socrates, Ezekiel, the Buddha, the mystics of the Upanishads, and the Greek tragedy playwrights. So check it out, Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age, uh, a book that couldn't be more important today. Go to storebookbaby.com or amazon.com as well. You can buy a paperback or ebook uh, also at uh, Barnes & Noble. So Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. 
Okay, folks. <clears throat> Today we're uh, we're we're moving in a in a slightly new and empowering direction, and uh, to kind of get us uh, into uh, the deeper mysteries of life, and to be able to tap into the invisible world that's all around us, that's active, that's waiting for us to be able to invite that invisible world to us. We have to invite that invisible world into our lives. Uh, and it's waiting there for us to do so. But how do we do that? And what does it mean to be able to connect on a deep, intimate level with the, the spirituality that's all around us? And you know what? I was fascinated uh, by shamanism since, uh, for a very long time, since I've been on my own path. And, you know, I, I knew that shamans had, um, they, they worked with the indigenous cultures. They, they pre-existed priests, they pre-existed imams and rabbis and they were part of the there was celtic shamans there were shamans of roman shamans there were you know shamans that, that every every tribe had this had to have someone who was a healer that could uh, be an intermediary between the spiritual world and the physical world and they were part and parcel of how we our ancestors moved through the world and were able to to adapt and to to see what was needed to be done, uh, and to listen to those who could who could see things that we couldn't see, and shamanism is um, it's not an organized religion. It's a, it's more of a spiritual practice, and it cuts across all faiths and creeds, and it reaches us at a deep level of our ancestral memory. It's a primal belief system, uh, which precedes established religion. And it's got its own symbolism and cosmology uh, inhabited by beings and gods and totems uh, who display the similar characteristics, uh, although they appear in various forms. Now, it's a practice from cultures, spiritual practice from cultures all around the world, from ancient times to the present day. And first and foremost, shamans' practices are practical and adaptable. And these practices have coexisted over a millennia with varying cultures and systems of government and organized religious practices. Many forms of religions, a lot of people don't know this, but many forms of religions, including Buddhism and Christianity, all came from ancient shamanic roots. And they still bear the shamanic threads of this deep, connection to the divine in all things. But shamanism itself is not a formalized system of beliefs or an uh, ideology. Rather, what it is, is it's a group of activities and experiences that are shared by shamans in cultures all around the world. It's a, it's a mystical experience of the divine in everything. And these practices are adaptable and they coexist. Uh, no matter what part of the planet you are on, whether you're here in America or you happen to be in Australia. And today our guest is living in or is, is inhabiting Australia. He's, uh, he's coming in, uh, we're zooming him in. He's, he has graced us, blessed us with his presence to be here at uh, five o'clock in the morning, Australia time, uh, in midwinter. And his name is Orion. And he began his journey into adulthood as a combat engineer officer in the Australian Army. 
In his mid-30s, he had a spirit illness, epiphany, that altered the course of his life. And in this new life direction, he has been blessed to have had three profound teachers. Richard Running Deer, a Southern Ute medicine man. Dickie Minitree, Minitree a, I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, from Australian shaman. And the esteemed and renowned Dr. Raphael Locke, a visiting professor to the University of Virginia and initiated shaman in two different indigenous cultures. Orion is trained in both Australian Aboriginal and Native American ways and is an, excuse me, is an initiated shaman in the spirit of the Earth Medicine Society and has a degree in metaphysical science from the University of Sedona here in the United States. His website is www.truthandpower.com.au. Again, that's www.truthandpower.com.au. Orion, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Uh, how is it down there in Australia today? Is it uh, it's midwinter, right? Is it a little bit chilly this morning? I know it's it's five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's about six degrees. Uh, Australia gets as cold uh, generally as the US, so six degrees is pretty chilly for us. Um, we uh, we tend to live on a hot continent, as you saw from uh, bushfires last year, where it's hot, it can get really hot. Has Australia rec recovered from the bushfires, by the way? Is it uh, uh, in look, the process? Um, we have a, a vast area that is destroyed, um, and you know, more than a billion uh, uh, animals uh, died in the process. Um, so, you know, then we, we got hit by COVID-19. So, you know, the whole, um, the whole place uh, sort of uh, you know, got a double whammy, if you, if you get what I mean. Um, and so, but the, the thing about Australia is that um, our, our life cycle here, um, the Australian bush needs to have fire every seven years um, to, to regenerate. So fire is very much a part of our lives. What, uh, what's been different uh, this time is that we had, um, we had uh, flames 70 meters high, which I guess is about 200 feet. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a new dimension in terms of, you know, let's not get into um, to, uh, the warming of the planet, but, but we haven't, we've gone to another dimension um, you know, with fires in now, and, uh, and it just destroys everything. It, it melts engine blocks. Melts engine blocks? Melts engine blocks. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we're, we're still recovering from that, but yeah, getting to here, it's still dark. Uh, the sun will come up, come up in about an hour's time. Um, <laughs> and it's about 60 degrees. It's very still here at the moment, so it's nice, and uh, it's just you know, the, the cool winter's morning, yeah? Well, well thank you, Orion, for, for taking time out of your morning and, and waking up so early to join us on the show here. I know we had... Uh, a, um, a time zone um, confusion, I think, because yesterday I, uh, you sent me a message and said, well, you know, I, I, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to get on the show, and I said, no, it's tomorrow. The international deadline will do that to us. Right, so you're already in tomorrow, you're, you're, you're in Saturday, you're on That's the... That's great. Yeah. yeah. 
it's five a.m. Sunday morning here in Australia. Wow. Well, um, Laurent, could you talk to us about? Because we want to, you know, I want to help people to understand more in depth. I just gave a brief outline and and description, almost a definition from a, an encyclopedia's uh, perspective of shamanism. But that's not all of it. Um, could you talk about your ancestry first, though, and, and and who you are, so people can get an idea about how, what your journey was like to uh, finally becoming an initiated shaman? Yeah, well, um, thank you, Charlie. My my ancestry is uh, you know, I'm come from a World War II refugee family. Hmm. Um, my my parents escaped Europe. Uh, my father is Croatian. My mother is German, um, and my birth name is Andrew. Um, and my my uh, shamanic name was Orion, and that's another story. Um, so we came to Australia uh, post World War II. I was born in the early fifties, um, and uh, my parents uh, didn't uh, didn't get along. Um, so I grew up with my mother, and my father moved on to Canada. Um, so I, I grew up as a, with my mother as an only child. Um, I was a devout Roman Catholic, um, mm. and uh, you know I was an altar boy, and and I was really quite a devout child. And uh, during the holidays, so you know, I would go to the the monastery and go on prayer retreats, and uh, I took all of that pretty seriously. We had a, a change of priest, and the new guy that came in was a pedophile, and I got sexually abused in the name of God. Um, so I thought, well, if, if this is uh, if this is God, um, then uh, you know you can have it. Uh, I'm using polite terms now. Um, so from there, I, I guess I, I became a fairly angry young man, and I thought, well, and at that stage, the Vietnam War was on. So I thought, well, I'm going to just go on fight because uh, you know I'm angry with uh, what had happened to me. Um, and uh, so I, I joined the army, went through officer training program. Um, and I became a combat engineer and I got ready to go to Vietnam, but we had a, the whole thing changed. And, uh, and fortunately, uh, not at the time, I didn't think, but fortunately, I didn't go. But then I, I continued a career in the Army and uh, I ended up uh, commanding a counter-terrorist unit for three years. Um, I got promoted to major and then I thought, no, no, this, uh, something else was calling me, but I didn't know what. Um, and then uh, I headed into commercial life and became very successful. Um, and basically, my my journey into spirit commenced in my mid thirties. Um, I was in the commercial world, um, state managed over 150 people working for me, and um, what the psychologists now call ontological shock. Uh, which uh, all I can say is that that um, I was in a meeting um, a Friday afternoon, and my whole world dissolved in front of me. Um, it usually took me an hour to get to work. It took me eight hours to get home. Hmm. Cut a long story short, two years later, uh, having tried every every blood test, every drug regime, every diet, uh, every conceivable thing, I was with uh, Professor John Dwyer at the University of New South Wales, which is like the top of medicine. Uh, and he said, "Sorry, mate, uh, we don't know what's the matter with you, but you know, you're, you're the way you're heading. You, you, you. I, I spent two years uh, in a dark room in the fetal position." You know, cold, clammy sweat. Wow. And uh, so when medical science uh, wrote me off and said, uh, you know, just go away and die, I thought, well, look, you know, if there is God's spirit, whatever, uh, then the only way that I'm going to survive is to heal myself. 
Um, and so what I had left, I would meditate. Um, were you at that point, Orion, were you at that point, did you, were you not even, were you almost atheistic after what you had experienced? Because I, you know, I, yeah, I grew yeah. up as Catholic as well, you know, I was, yeah. and, and had known people and had experienced, but, uh, and so it's like it, it cuts you off from the, the yeah. life force and source, so was that part of what was going on with you? Were you at that point where you didn't believe yeah, any longer? Yeah, you nailed it, Charlie. Um, yeah, so for, you know, I had that. I've always had an interest in the metaphysical, so I kept up sort of an academic interest in different cosmologies. Mm -hmm. uh, cosmology is, is a belief system. Um, and so you know, I, I studied Buddhism and I studied uh, Sufism and, and I looked at uh, some of the ancient ways. Um, just from a, an academic interest point of view, my, my mind was geared towards that. Um, that. That was just one of those things. But, but I hadn't, you know, hadn't been eating and, and my body had, uh, had sort of faded away, I guess is the best way to put it. So I, I had read that um, when people have a drowning experience, they can have a view of their life um, in an instant. Um, and this morning, you know, I gave this sort of three-month contract. If I didn't, uh, didn't achieve anything after three months, I was going to take my life. Um, but you know, about two-thirds of the way through the process, you know, I got this near-death experience and somehow uh, in my consciousness um, the world I, I got a video of where I was which was not in a good place um, I was in a happy marriage and uh, you know it's, my, my father had abandoned me so I wasn't going to abandon my children and it was just all heading south and, and nothing was right and there it was I was looking at it and uh, and I was um, living my life through anger through Concentration on stuff, um, you know, not looking after my, my body, not looking, not connected to the planet. I was just lost in um, in, in the Western world, I guess. Um, full on, and, you know, I had everything I wanted: big house and cars and all of that. But I didn't have happiness. And um, so, then uh, Spirit showed me and said, "Look, um, you know, if you're going to continue your life, you've got to follow the path of your heart." You've got to start four, four basic archetypes of the king, the warrior, the lover, and the magician. Um, and when you, you know, you're asked to listen to inside um, and you go to one of these quadrants as to who you were, and having been an army officer and been in command of men and, and been natural natural leader in life, mm -hmm. uh, of course, you know, that's gravitated to the king. And then uh, the concept of the magician was over there, and I kept on looking at this magician saying, my heart was saying, hey, that's where you want to be, pal. Uh, this idea of being a king, uh, uh, that's where you want to be. Um, anyway, the, 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 last, uh, the last day of this course, I, I had never done anything like this before. Um, in those days, it was called rebirthing. These days, it's called holotropic birthwork. Mm. It's where you hyperventilate, um, and then uh, you somehow, by hyperventilating, you go into a collapsed position. Um, you fall backwards, you, you know, people catch you lay on a mattress and, and you travel. Um, this is the first time I've ever done that. Anyway, I'm, I, I'm all of a sudden, and it was like, I'm sitting here with you, Charlie. All of a sudden, I'm on a prairie in North America and I'm thinking to myself, what the hell? I'm in the, I'm in the Blue Mountains west of Sydney and I'm on this prairie in North America. And by the way, there are two buffalo running straight at me. Oh. And I thought, whoa, 
I'm going to get run over here. Wait a minute, I'm in the Blue Mountains. What am I doing here? And uh, at the at the very last second, these bus flow passes, and I felt the wind of it, and I'm just going, what is going on here? And then there's this Native American medicine. My cheekbones were eight. Uh, from laughing. Well, he, he was, was from, funny. and he was from Colorado, right? He was from one yeah, of the, the Colorado Utes Native American yeah. tribes, correct? So he's yeah, native here. Actually, yeah, I flew into Durango. Oh, okay. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, he lived in Cortez, and uh, we we uh, we were in this on this property outside of Durango, um, and I, I just don't remember the name of it. But yeah, so I came under came come came under his guidance and uh, and gee, just learned an enormous lot. And then after I left uh, the US, we stayed in contact. Um, and uh, now he, he's passed. Um, pardon me, he's passed. And um, you know, in my world, he is actually now one of my spirit guides. Mm. Um, and uh, our, our journey continues together. Um, but yeah, a great man. Uh, um, he, uh, he did, you know, his life. He was one of those humble guys, and I think he drove trucks and and, uh, and became a nuisance in other places. But he's, <laughs> he was a real medicine man, um, and uh, a really profound man, and uh, a man with a big heart and a good heart. And uh, and he and his partner Cheyenne West, uh, she's passed too. Um, a lovely, lovely couple, and uh, and I certainly enjoyed my time with that. And that, that was. That was the beginning uh, of the journey, and uh, I remember uh, uh, once uh, I went for a walk in the New Mexico desert uh, down to the Rio Grande, and it, this is like in, in January, right? Um, so it's pretty cold, and there was a thermal spring next to the Rio Grande, and, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm down on the banks, I'm looking straight up at this cliff, like three or four hundred feet high, straight up. And uh, the thermal spring there, and the, the, the river's going past, and it was really very, very cold because it was January. So I got all my gear off, and lying in this thermal spring, um, in the Rio Grande, with my hat, with my hat, left hand in the water, in the freezing water, and I'm, I'm in, a, you know, in, uh, in Fahrenheit, I'm in, in about 75 degrees water, um, and it was just, just beautiful. And I'm laying there having this, this epiphany of. Of what life is like. So my memory, <laughs> memory of your part of the country, sort of, I guess that's down in, in New Mexico around around Taos. Um, but uh, my, my memory of the San Juan Mountains and uh, and the, the time uh, um, around uh, Durango and, and uh, that place uh, is very very special. And I have a, a deep connect, deep connection with the Southwest, and I've been back there uh, since. Uh, so I, I love that part of America. It's beautiful. Uh, it's it's really the, beautiful. One of the special places in the world. One of the special places in the world. Yeah. And, and all the travels that I've done, uh, you know, I really have a, a spot in my heart for the Southwest. Yeah. So I came back to Australia, and um, and this was just when emails started, and um, I got this um, email saying that, and the, the name we're talking about with Dickie Military is the Pitjara people uh, from the Central Desert. They're, they're, they're the traditional owners of, uh, of what people once knew as Alice Springs, now known as Uluru, uh, and the rock formation Kalajuda. Um, and they put out an email saying they, that they wanted, um, they wanted you know, interest in white men um, to come out to the desert um, and, uh, and basically fail um, on, on shamanism. Um, so uh, then uh, I went through a, a 10 day uh, initiation in the Simpson Desert, um, and that was uh, that was my 
my uh, my my first initiation uh, in Vishamism. Um, and uh, from there, I, you know, I started to uh, about 15 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. I started to practice uh, as a shaman, um, and uh, and you know I thought, well, you know, I put it out there into community um, and, and see what comes. Um, mm -hmm. And basically, everybody was coming to me um, were, were coming because they had trauma, yeah. and and because and because the system had failed them because. Um, you're just talking to uh, psychiatrists that are being medicated. Um, they got to a point where of frustration, um, and you know, you, you, a lot of people come because it's a last resort. Yeah. Uh, they they're tired tired of being numbed out. They're not connected to life. Um, they're unhappy, mm -hmm. um, and uh, they're just looking for something that, that might work. For them. And that was really interesting because you know I started to do this work. And, uh, and started getting results um, by taking people's shamanic ritual. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and people were getting better. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, because you know, my, my practice originally was spiritual and it was personal. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing evangelistic about shamans. This is not about getting out there and beating your drum. Uh, every, I'm a teacher and I've got about 40 graduates. And I say to all my graduates, you just kind of find your own way. You've got to find spirit within yourself. You've got to express who you are. You need to take everything from from your teachers and, and then take it from yourself and develop your own style. It's not like becoming another Orion, for instance. So, mm -hmm. so the, the, the whole thing is very different to uh, the seven religions where the uh, you know you go off and everybody does the same training and mm -hmm. the same church and teach, and teach the same cosmology. And, uh, and it all fits within a very structured and rigid boundary. Um, every person has different gifts. And in my world, we go and find the gifts that we have, and we build upon those. And we have gifts from in life. Uh, you know, if you look at the different profiles that come through Myers-Briggs, a very simple psych test about you know whether you're intuitive, whether you're feeling, and all those sort of things. And you look at the gifts that you naturally have, and, and you build upon them. Yeah. So, you know, my practice started to emerge with this, and there were at times uh, stuff that was uh, distinctly spirit-based. Um, you know, people believed they had entities on board, and, uh, you know, there was the occasional um, curse-type work, especially people who come from, from Africa. Um, and uh, the, uh, the whole notion uh, around, around possessions uh, is something we can talk about for hours. <laughs> and, um, and, and especially, especially with um, use of of, uh, of recreational drugs, yeah. we open up the pineal gland, crown chakra, and uh, you know whatever's floating out there can come on board, and, and that's the basis of a lot of the problems. But giving away from that, sorry, you're going to ask a question, Charlie. Yeah, well, I was going to. I just want to say that what a fascinating journey that you have been oh, on yeah. to get to that place, to where you are today to be able to be an, uh, an initiated shaman that is actually learning how or has learned how to, to draw people's talents and gifts and those things to emerge from themselves and to have a deeper connection and that it's when people are coming to you that where they've tried everything else and nothing has worked and that's when they find people like you and, uh, and, and people like me and other people who have said there is another way and there's a different way. And I, and I would like to go just backtrack before we get into some of the things about the journey with plant medicine. You know, I think it's important for people to, 
to grasp and understand the difference between uh, what a shaman is and what a priest is. You know, and and how do the how does a, a shaman differ from a pastor and, and a priest? And and, yeah. and I think it's important so that people can know the difference because they both originate from the same kind of idea. The, the healer archetype almost is really at its core, and then they're just kind of branched off in different directions. Could you expand on that just a little bit before we go into yeah, plant medicine? Yeah. The uh, the word the word shaman originated when when anthropology first kicked off in the nineteen fifties uh, they they went to the Tungus people in northern Siberia um, and they had a word uh, called shaman it was S A M A N uh, which has now become shaman and the, the literally translated means one who knows so the difference between uh, between a shaman and for instance a, a traditional priest imam rabbi uh, is that um, that we go into an altered state of consciousness uh, to connect with spirit on behalf of our client. Um, and so we, we go into the person's soul. Mm -hmm. um, the, the shamanism is the only healing modality that is interested in the journey of the soul, mm -hmm. uh, coming into life and what may happen before life, to go through a complete birth, and that doesn't always happen. Um, to go through the initiatory cycles of life, to go through eldership, then to go through a complete death, which doesn't always happen. Mm. Um, and so from that perspective, um, we are looking at the whole journey of the soul, going from one end to the other. Mm -hmm. um, we are not coming from a set cosmology. Um, the shamanism uh, embraces animism, so we're looking at the plant and the animal kingdom and when we look at someone's soul we're looking at their landscape and landscape is something that everybody can relate to whether you're a laborer or a phd everybody knows what a landscape is so yeah what is your landscape what is traveling within the landscape and, and the metaphor and where the metaphor comes in terms of the soul's journey and piecing that together so that you can provide um you know you can provide a solution to your client. Um, the, the big difference for, uh, for us is that uh, we are simply door openers. Um, we are looking to take our clients through a process to find spirit within themselves. Mm. Um, whereas a priest uh, looks to say, I'm, uh, I'm a pastor of God, I've done the training, you will find God through me. Um, and, uh, and I will lead you in ritual, in the ritual that I do, um, and, uh, and on, on your way, come to me for your guidance. Now, we, we still provide guidance, but um, it's transitory. It's like, well, let's open up the world for you so you find spirit within yourself. So we're not looking to control. We're not looking to create, you know, a, 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 a ism here. Um, but what we are looking to do is, of course, for true community that's, that's based on everybody that connected with each other and, and, uh, and, and living life on a daily basis, not just being a once-a-week shaman, right. but, being, uh, but being a seven-day-a-week shaman um, and, and being the best version of who you are in that process. Well, it's helping people to tap into their own divine source that lives within them. And so that you're almost opening the door to their own soul. You're helping them to find their own soul again and to understand that this is a, this is a spiritual journey that we're all on. 
And when you're in those crises that so many of us are in right now because of whether it's <clears throat> anxiety, depression, fear, what's going on on the planet right now, COVID-19, the, the protests here in America, these things, they're all causing us. There's an opportunity here for us to really turn inward and go in deeper into our soul to be able to communicate and see what's really going on inside of us. What kind of a people do we want? With me and, and, and what I teach is that our intuition is our connection to our highest self. Um, and when you listen to your intuition, um, then uh, basically that's, that's your guide. And every time I've, I've chosen to ignore my intuition, I've had a dear price. Mm -hmm. So now I listen to my heart, I listen to how I feel. Um, and uh, if something is true for me, then my, my body goes off and says, yeah. This feels right for me, and that's my guide uh, coming from my soul, um, my intuition, uh, my, my guide that goes with that. Uh, and when I do ancestral work, um, and I connect uh, ancestors uh, to my client via my client's intuition. Um, and it's interesting, uh, you, just talking about intuition, when people come to me, uh, there, there are four cardinal points, uh, you know, east, north, uh, west, and south. And uh, they have different colors and different virtues. And I don't, I don't tell my clients this. I say, hey, listen, before we do anything, I want you to walk around uh, my medicine wheel, um, my, my dreaming wheel, um, to, uh, to associate yourself with cardinal points. Listen to your intuition and, and, uh, and tell me which one is speaking to you today, which one feels right for you today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the East is about challenge and the path of the heart and new beginnings. The West, sorry, it, it, the East is about path of the heart and new beginnings and and where the sun rises. The North is about challenge, about courage, strength, determination. The West is about healing, humility and compassion. And the South is about wisdom and what do I need to know. Mm -hmm. And so when they go to one of these cardinal points, and listening to the intuition, the spirit of the earth is coming through those cardinals. I think it's, it's connected. What about inherited trauma? What about the trauma that gets passed down the generations? Can a shaman help us to heal our ancestors as well as ourselves? Can, is that possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, science has proven now that, that, that trauma gets passed down in the DNA through mm -hmm. generations. And, and certainly um, the advent of neuroscience in the last five years of my life has, has unpacked uh, what shamanism is about um, and how neuroscience now and shamanism almost go hand in glove um, with, uh, with dealing with trauma. Um, from that perspective, um, when people come, um, we go through a three-day process um, and the first uh, removes or you know, if the river is going so fast uh, over rocks, it means hey, you need to slow down and nurture yourself. And so you know, you start to look at um, when we do a healing. It's on five levels, Charlie. It's uh, firstly the body, mm -hmm. the heart, the mind, the soul, and the etherics. The etherics is the a one meter energy uh, pattern around your body. So we're looking at the five levels when when we do healing, and, and in our rituals we address all five levels. So we, when we have someone who's deeply traumatized, um, that we come in and we go through that initial, almost like a diagnostic process. Um, and then uh, in consultation and, and through divination, uh, divination is a process where we, we say, yeah, what do I need to know about this person? And we get that from spirit. Um, 
and then we say, okay, well, uh, you know, this is where your traumas come from, um, and and usually the trauma is going to have a, a specific emotion attached to it. And in our world, not only do we deny emotion, we repress it, so it's not cool to be angry. Um, and you'll find that a lot of the clients come up, the volcano is ready to explode. Um, and so usually, often but not always, um, we go through a specific cathartic anger ritual that people get to go to the, the extreme uh, of their anger and get it all out because it is an energy contained within the body. And from there, then, uh, we go through another two rituals where we bring the person back um, into uh, a place of, of, uh, of peace and, and happiness, having, having got rid of uh, that which they've been carrying. And, and the somatics of it is that when the, when the client comes out of the time, usually they feel a hell of a lot lighter, mm -hmm. um, which means that the body is saying, hey, look, I've been carrying all this stuff all this time. Um, and now I've got rid of it. Oh boy, did <laughs> I feel lighter? Uh, and that is the that's the confirmation that we've affected a state change uh, within the client. Uh, when we talk about uh, neuroscience, and certainly I recommend the book "The Body Keeps Score" by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Fantastic. He, he, Fantastic. He has a, he has a great uh, concept in there for positive achievement, mm -hmm. um, and that starts with the first heart of the womb, um, whether you loved, held. And then the question uh, that uh, they'll always ask is, did you feel safe as a child? And if you didn't feel safe as a child, you're going to have negative attunement, which means you're going to have trauma uh, resident within your body, which means that from a shamanic point of view, um, we can help. Um, so from, from that perspective, uh, when we talk about the concept of attunement, we talk about moving people from, from not feeling safe and not being able to trust to taking through a process where they can feel safe and they're in a process then of understanding that uh, they're open to people earning their trust. Yeah, so important. That's so important to earn your trust to yeah. people because especially when you're dealing with people who have experienced trauma in their life in any way, they don't feel safe in their bodies, they don't feel safe around people, that, that ability to trust has been broken, they've been betrayed yeah. at a very core level. Uh, and so that to realign themselves and to reacquaint themselves that they're safe, that they're okay, uh, and, and what they're experiencing today, to help them, something deep inside of them, if you could help. Yeah, be delighted. Yeah, so as I mentioned, my three teachers have now passed and, and I'm, uh, I'm getting, uh, getting towards uh, the, the winter of my life. <laughs> um, so I decided then that uh, it was about time I, I learned uh, about plant medicine and uh, I did a hell of a lot of research um, because uh, ayahuasca, um, Ayo is the deity of the Amazon, she's the female deity mm -hmm. and washka means vine. So ayahuasca is, is vine of the soul um, and uh, let me tell you, she's tough. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I did the... Uh, I then went on this journey into the Amazon, and I've been there four times now. I'm heading back again next year. Um, I did all my research, and I go to a place in Iquitos called Hummingbird, and uh, Jim's there with the Shapiro wife, Gina. Uh, he's an American guy, he's been there for about 20 years, um, and he runs a, a really tight program. Um, fantastic. And Malayim is the Iowa Skeleton um, that's there, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the team these days. 
in fact, that, that, that suggests I should go and live there. But being Australian, I'm, I'm, and you know, a, a month a month in the rainforest and the Amazon is about all I have. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm I, with I you on that. Gym, but, um, the uh, the I started the journey with Aya, and uh, and let me say, um, and I'll, I'll just talk about you, know, you can have uh, the most uh, beautiful, uh, inspiring, loving experience, and, and I've said to some of my clients over there, and they've been deeply traumatized, and Mother Aya told them and nurtured them, and given them an experience that is beyond uh, you know words that can describe um, what the experience was. Um, and then uh, in, in my case, uh, I, I go over there and she invariably kicks my butt. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, with that, uh, my journey's been a little bit tougher. But uh, as uh, Jim and uh, Mother say, you know, the more the more work that you've done, uh, the, you know, the, the bigger lessons you're going to learn. And and certainly uh, in, in my case, uh, you know, with them, I. Um, I experienced ritual death uh, going to my last breath and saying, okay, you can take me now. I, I, I can't take it anymore. And, and from there, um, you know, the Spirit showed me that, um, that you know, the, the whole journey is surrendering to Spirit. Yeah. And having, having been an ex-Army officer and, and all of that, surrender is not a word that um, is in my vocab. Nope. But uh, <laughs> physically, <laughs> I had to go through the process yeah. Physically, I had to go through the process of surrender. Um, I literally thought I was going to die, um, and I was happy to. Um, and and uh, so from there, um, and <laughs> this last time I went, um, believe it or not, I, she actually did some psychic surgery on me. And, uh, and with that, I came back with, um, with a different set of skills. The first time it's happened, all the other ones have been butt-kicking uh, teaching lessons. Um, this one, um, she, she did a little bit of work on me and enhanced my ability to uh, perform uh, healing around, uh, generational healing around ancient uh, trauma and how all that works. So it's the first time I, I've received a gift from spirit uh, around uh, something specifically that I, I can use in my, in my daily practice. Um, there's another uh, hallucinogen uh, called San Pedro, also the, the indigenous word for it is Hochuma. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a crushed cactus coming up from the Andes. Uh, the deity up in the Andes is Apu, and with the blessings of Apu. Um, and the, uh, it's a, a process of, uh, of, a bit like an avatar process, you, you take San Pedro and you go on this mystical journey into nature and you start seeing um, you know how all of life is connected, yeah. and in my my journey, um, in that, you know, we are part of the cycle of life. We are meant to be uh, in harmony with the planet uh, on a whole number of levels. We're not here to dominate it. We're here to to connect to it, um, and and there we are. In these days, you know, I, I talk about uh, nature being my religion, and the bush is my church, and that's yeah. come straight from Pachuma. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And, and when you talk about planets, you need to be doing these kinds of mystical journeys and sacred with with a shaman, with someone who's been yeah. trained in these things, correct, before people engage in that? Yeah. Because it needs to be guided. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, Manaim uh, has been an Iowa spirit for about 40 years. Um, and uh, 
if you're going to have a dark night of the soul, look, this is medicine. Um, it will never be recreational, mm. and it can be tough. And uh, you have to have strong boundaries around duty of care. Um, and you know, you're not in control for six to eight hours, and I'm for tumours for about 12 hours. You're not in control. So you need to have a really strong regime around you so you don't go wandering off in the bush and get lost and die. Yeah. Um, you can't mix this stuff with any psychotics because it can be fatal. Um, and you know, if you're going to have a dark night of the soul, you need to have a highly skilled Irish carer traveling with you to keep you safe um, and, uh, and to make sure that you, know, you get the full benefits of the journey that, that goes with that. So this stuff is not to be treated lightly, and uh, and this is where I have the utmost respect for, for Jim and Jenna and, and Hummingbird in Iquitos in Peru. Mm -hmm. um, they run a tight ship uh, with a higher sense of duty of care, um, and I've, I've referred many of my clients say, look, Iquitos is the Iowash care, sorry, Iowash that uh, capital of the world. There are cowboys there; they're going to rip you off, absolutely. Um, you know like anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, looking for the, the healing journey, um, I, I can't recommend coming to that. Oh, no, that's, and you know what, I, I've been meaning to find a place, and so I'm, I'm, I think you and I will have to talk offline <laughs> so that I can find this, because uh, I think that's part of my journey uh, here in the next few years as well. Um, I, yeah. want, I definitely want us to get to the, uh, to the prayer uh, because I, I can't yep. believe how fast this show goes, Orion. It's, and if you could, um, if you could go ahead and, and introduce us to who the Rainbow Serpent is and what the ceremony is for, yep. and and then take us through this. We're going to go over just a little bit. If you could stay on for just yep. a little bit, and uh, yeah, yep. really, really. Want to I'm about we've got uh, we've got nine minutes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the, the rainbow serpent is the deity of the desert people and uh, and people in, in the west of Australia. Um, it's no the, the indigenous word for it is the Wanampi. Wanampi. Um, that's the Pitjantjara word for the rainbow serpent. It's the bringer of life and death and water, um, and it is revered. Um, through through that indigenous culture, I, I've experienced the Wanapi twice, and I have a, I have an agreement with the Wanapi to bring the Wanapi consciousness to the Western world. So, guys, what I want to do now is to take you on a journey um, with the Wanapi. So, if I can ask you to close your eyes, please. Close your eyes, and I now want you to follow your breath uh, into yourself. Just taking breaths going into yourself, going into yourself, going into yourself, going down, deep into yourself, deep into yourself, to a place of stillness, no mind chatter, just that place of stillness, place that's in the amygdala, the organ that basically you the reptilian skull, which means fight and flight into that stillness area, that stillness area, that part of your body that's at peace with you and the world. There is a door in front of you, and when you open that door, and there's a ladder. And you start to climb down this ladder, going down, 
So all of a sudden you, you hit the desert floor and you look across this desert floor. There's a full moon. It's the middle of the night, but the visibility is wonderful. And it's the Australian desert. Red sand glowing. Red sand glowing. Soft, like talc under your feet. And across you see a lake. A lake, a black ebony lake, which is reflecting the full moon. The contrast it, the black of the lake and the white of the moon, is stunning. And so you walk across, you walk across the desert to the light, coming across to the light. And you sit down next to the light. And as you look upon this mirror of the reflected moon, the water in the middle of the lake starts to ripple, starts to ripple. And the head of a giant serpent now starts to rise up in front of you, starts to rise up in front of you, starts to rise up in front of you. It is huge, it's a bit like a human looking at an ant. You look up at this great snake and you look into the eyes of the snake and you see colors of the rainbow in the snake's eyes. And your body feels healing, humility, and compassion. This overwhelming sense of healing, humility, and compassion. So that your heart starts to open up as the snake's energy comes around you. And the wannabe lowers her head down. Ah, my child. It is good that you're with me. Come with me on this journey. And so she opens up her large, cavernous mouth. And you think, hmm, yeah, you feel your body healing, humility and compassion, your heart is open. And you go into the snake, and you and the great snake become one. Ah, my child, I'm going to take you on a journey back to the no time. So you, the great snake, go back and look at no time. And she begins her journey. The snakes do. They sidle across the countryside. They go from side to side. They wiggle their way. And as the great snake sidles from one side to the other, so the lakes are created. And the mountains and the deserts and the prairies and the plains in the forests. Ah, my child, you too are a great creative being. In your life, you create your rivers and your valleys and your mountains and your plains and your deserts. But I ask you now to consciously do that in your life. Connect back to the mother. If we all just do the little things that keep mothers happy, then the planet will be better for us all. And the journey now is to reflect on at the heart your connection to the planet, your connection to your family with humility, 
compassion and heal pleased and then we sing the Pitanjara song now I'm using Pitanjara claps sticks the humility compassion healing healing myself healing my relationships healing the planet to make things better one of you then says mm, it's time now to return back to the lake and so having been on this creation journey you now come back to the lake and she opens her mouth and you walk out and you look back into the one of his eyes and you give thanks for this journey I'm my child now that you know where I am you can always come to the door, go down the ladder, come to the lake. I will always be here for you. Always be here for you. And let spirit within you start to emerge. And so you give a final thanks, and the great slave rises up and rises so slowly down back into the lake. Until the lake is once more perfectly still, reflecting the beautiful moon. This moon, of course, being a metaphor for the Earth Mother and the Grandmothers and the feminine of life. You give thanks to the moon and the lake and return back and walk across the desert. So you come back to the ladder and you start to climb up the ladder, coming up the ladder coming up the ladder, coming up the ladder, till finally to the door and you turn once more and give thanks for the journey, the journey of spirit within you. Open the door and come back to this place, here and now. That was amazing. Thank you. No, 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 thank you. That was amazing. Um, wow. All right, I wish we uh, could could talk for the next two hours. <laughs> Be able to go into. Um, and I know that everybody who tuned in and everybody who listened. Uh, had the same profound or to their soul um, experience uh, like I had. Um, that was incredible. Really incredible. It's been such a treat to have you, uh, sir. Uh, thank you so much. Just, uh, you know, let, what, is, what do you think is, really quickly, um, what do you think our soul's purpose is? And how do we know if we've found it? Yeah. Well, we, we never ever get there. There is no there. It's the journey of each day. And it's the blessings of each day. And we're drawn to the word present, gift and moment, being in the moment to, to celebrate our journey in life. Um, and for me, um, it's just a, a case of embracing two virtues. Kindness. Firstly, being kind to yourself. If you're kind to yourself, you'll be kind to others. The other virtue is humility. 
um, having walking a humble path of uh, of kindness, um, being kind to yourself and kind to others, is a journey of life. It's letting go, and that's a that's a letting go of the ego, letting go of needing to be right, self righteousness, um, and uh, you're having respect for all sentient beings. Um, to me, it's it's just simply kindness and humility. I love it. I love it, Orion. Uh, thank you, sir. Namaste to your... your Namaste. 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 Folks, thank you so much for tuning into the council today. Um, thank you, KUHS, for being the platform for the council and allowing me to broadcast here, uh, not only in Colorado, but uh, all over the nation and all over the world. Tune in to KUHS uh, Denver. They've got some of the best VDJs personalities, people dedicated to helping you and, and getting a perspective on life and helping with your health and your emotions and your and your spirit as well. It's great music, great, great music. Tune in to KUHS Denver, uh, the stream. And uh, really quickly, Orion, um, it has been such an honor to have you, sir. Uh, with gratitude and humility, I ask you, um, first of all, how people can get, con get in contact with you, who want to get in contact with you. And lastly, if you could give one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? Well, firstly, um, whether you feel safe or not. Um, and if you don't feel safe, then, then go on a journey to find out what will make you feel safe. Um, and that's, that, that's the beginning of the healing journey for most of us in the Western world, because most of us grew up not feeling safe. Um, and that impacts on us negatively. Um, it's conscious. Um, and uh, if you look at safety, if you can build up safety in our lives, that means we can then allow people to earn our trust and, and happiness will flow from that. So to me, it's always just the, the starting point of, if you don't feel right, ask yourself a question. If I don't feel safe, I don't feel safe, then and what will make me feel safe? What do I need to do to, to reach that safety? Yeah. It's so important. And to be safe and knowing that we're cared for, knowing that we're watched over, knowing that uh, there are so many uh, uh, beings on the and, and ancestors and that are there for us in the invisible world. And uh, once we know that we're safe, uh, we can flower to become the people we were always destined to be. Orion, thank you, sir. It's been an honor. Blessings to you. Namaste, sir. Folks, thank you so much. The council is adjourned. We will be back in a couple weeks with another great show for you. Uh, it is an honor to be your host. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. Uh, God bless. We'll see you soon.